Welcome to the podcast for the First United Methodist Church, located in Round Rock, Texas. This week's sermon will be taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, as Pastor Brad Britton asks us, who are we really following in life, and shows us the true fruit of putting down our nets, following Jesus, and making fishers of men. Then Jesus said, do not be afraid, Simon. From now on, you'll be catching people. Isn't that an interesting phrase, catching people? What what did Jesus mean by that, catching people? If you think about it, the end of his life, I wonder if he thought back to that time when he first encountered Jesus. After all that he'd seen and experienced, and maybe it was after Jesus appeared, after the resurrection, do you think Simon may have thought to himself, and to think, I traded two boats of fish for the Son of God. That's a pretty good trade. The reading of the scripture today is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had got out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. Simon answered, master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing Yet, if you say, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they saw they had caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to burst. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astounded at the catch of the fish that had been taken. And so also were James the son, James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray. God, help us to hear a word of hope and grace and love and what you say to us and through us. May it make a real difference in how we live our lives because we believe that matters to you. And if it matters to you, then it should matter to us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, it wasn't his boat. That was not Jesus' boat. It didn't have a sign on the side that said Jesus' boat. But he got in it anyway. He just showed up there at the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he got in Simon's boat. Simon and the other fishermen, I mean, they were at work. Have you ever been interrupted at work? You know, you're in a good flow, and then somebody like David or Pat walks into your office, and 
Actually, it's the other way around. I'm the ma- I'm the interruption. Amen. Oh wow. That was my first amen in four months. And you just beat him. He was headed there, so. Uh, So Jesus just showed up at their workplace and just got in the boat. Now, they would often teach from a boat. They would sit in the boat and they'd push the boat out away so people could see the person teaching and and they could hear better as well. So that was was not unusual. Uh, The boat, think about the size of the boat. Uh, In 1986, they found a, a boat at the Sea of Galilee from Jesus' time. And this boat was 27 feet long, seven and a half feet wide, and about four feet deep. So a pretty good-sized boat. And it was from that boat that Jesus taught the people. So he finished his teaching, and then you think he would just go on his way, but instead he looks over at Simon. Now, Simon would later be named Peter, but he looks over at Simon and says, uh, Hey, put out into the deep for a catch. Now, keep in mind, Simon and the other fishermen, they were off to the side cleaning their nets. They had fished all night, not caught a thing. And here's Jesus asking him to go try again. You ever, you ever been discouraged? You, you ever give the best you can to whatever it is? Maybe it's in the family situation. Maybe it's in a friendship. Maybe it's at your work. And it's like you're running up against a brick wall every time and, and you just want to give up. Well, I can imagine that might be what Simon and the other fishermen were feeling. I mean, they were exhausted. They'd fished all night. They're cleaning their nets. They're about ready to call it a day. And that's when Jesus says to try again. So Simon had to be thinking, um, it's the same boat. It's the same water. We're the same, and it's the same fish out there. What makes you think it's going to be any different this time? Well, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty, but we can see that there was one thing that entered the equation, and that was Jesus himself. You ever say this or hear somebody say that? We tried that before, and it didn't work. I'm a pretty laid-back guy. That makes me not laid back when I hear that. Oh, we've not, no, we can't do that. That, that didn't work. Really? Uh, what was the spirit of what you were doing? Was God involved? Yeah. I love the story of Blockbuster years ago. There was seeing that streaming might be ahead on the horizon. Blockbuster CEO met with the board of directors and was trying to get them to consider moving in that direction, and uh, they decided not to. You know why they decided not to? 12% of their revenue came from late fees. 12%. Was that a good decision? Yeah. I think, had that turned out differently, what would we be saying today? Um, did you watch it on Blockbuster? You wouldn't know what a Netflix is, right? So Jesus is just asking them to put out into the deep, try again, and I'm with you. 
So they, they get back in the boat, they put the nets out, and they catch so many fish that they have to call in another boat because there's just too many. Now remember, this is a 27-foot-long boat, seven and a half feet wide, full of fish. And this other boat comes in, they're full of fish. The boats begin to sink. They went from catching nothing to everything. The expectations were changed immediately. Uh, last night for our fall festival, I was out in the front just kind of greeting people as they came in. And right before uh, 4 o'clock, uh, some of the United Methodist men, which, by the way, thank you for cooking the hot dogs, uh, one of them came up to me and said, uh, okay, we've cooked this many. What do you think? And I looked out, and I was like, well, usually there's a lot more people here at this time, these kind of things. You can just cut it off. It's good. We're fine. Ten minutes later, there's a line of cars to temple. I didn't have my cell phone on me. I'm like, oops. Well, luckily they figured it out and cooked all 1,500 and still ran out, which is a great problem to have. So leave it to a pastor to have low expectations. Isn't that just, what a lesson. God has an amazing sense of humor. They asked me and I said, oh, I have so many that the boats are sinking. Peter, he comes up to Jesus and what would your response be if you just witnessed this miracle? I mean, I would have just give Jesus a big hug and let's go, right? Instead, what does he do? He falls at Jesus' feet and says, go away from me for I'm a sinful man. So you almost get the feel that he was so overwhelmed by the presence of Christ that he couldn't imagine being a part of that ministry. Just go away. Then Jesus said, do not be afraid, Simon. From now on, you'll be catching people. Isn't that an interesting phrase, catching people? What did Jesus mean by that, catching people? Some Christians believe catching people means being mean-spirited and pointing out every flaw. And if you were only as good as we are, then you got it figured out. That's not what Jesus was talking about. I think what Jesus was talking about with catching people is think of these nets of grace as they flow out of our lives and in our community where we talk about the love of God and Christ and how God has already done for us what we couldn't do on our own. And it's just a simple yes and then to follow me. Well, Simon did it, sure enough. The, the passage ends, he left it all behind to follow Jesus. Now that's two boatloads of fish. That's a lot of money. That was a great day at the office. That's like, hey, you're getting a big bonus. And Simon said, you can keep your bonus. I'm following him. That's, that's what happened. You know, think about following. Uh, here some people talk about, I go to so-and-so's church, and they'll actually name the pastor of that church, uh, which that's a red flag, by the way. That's a big red flag. 
I go to so-and-so's church. Really? When did so-and-so take the place of Jesus? Was that in the newspaper? I missed it. We, we, we follow Christ, not personalities and people. When I served in the rural churches, I would uh, do funerals, you know, at the funeral home, and they would often need, need help. So the pastor would help by, you know, maybe taking flowers, uh, loading them in the van to go to the graveside, those kind of things. And this one particular service, they were really short on employees. So after the service, I'm, I'm in the foyer uh, of the funeral home, we're preparing to go to the cemetery, and the funeral home director tosses me the keys to the hearse. And I'm like, what does it need, some gas or what, you know? He says, hey, you're driving the hearse. I said, okay. So I walk outside, and I, I get in the hearse, and it's me and one other. In the back. Didn't call shotgun. <laughs> and I'm kind of freaking out. I was in my late 20s, I think, at this point, and was starting out and hadn't done a lot of service. And I'm like, wow, this is, it was a late Sunday afternoon. And so he said, go down to the uh, cemetery, it's a little country cemetery, and you'll take a left here, right there. And I was nodding, like, I got it, I got it. Well, I didn't get it. <laughs> So we, we leave the parking lot. There's about 20 cars following me in the hearse. The Cowboys were playing, so I was like, i got to have something to take my mind off of this. I'm kind of freaking out. So I turn on the radio, and I start listening to the Cowboys game. Well, we get close. We, I guess we. I, I get closer to the cemetery, and it was a big part of the game there, and Tony Romo threw an interception, and I got distracted. I missed the turn. Never, ever miss a turn in a country cemetery. So here we are. They're following me, the hearse, and we end up at a dead end on a country road. You ever try to make a U-turn in a hearse with 20 cars behind you? Then the shame of having to get out of the hearse with my Bible because I'm the one doing the prayer of committal. Uh, yeah, sometimes, you know, who, who are you following? You know, we're following somebody in our lives, right? Some, some of us follow ourselves as if we're God. Some of us follow maybe a spouse. Make that person our God. Some of us follow careers and the prestige with that, whatever that is. Some of us follow just the accumulation of money like it's a game. You know, the one who ends up with the most wins at the end. At the end of the day, we're all following something or someone. And here's Simon at the end, and he just leaves it all on the shore. It's remarkable. All of it. Jesus didn't, ask, didn't even ask him to leave it all behind. You see what Jesus he said? Uh, from now on, you'll be catching people. And that was enough. That was enough for Simon and the others to say, we're with you. If you think about it, 
the end of his life, I wonder if he thought back to that time when he first encountered Jesus. After all that he'd seen and experienced, and maybe it was after Jesus appeared, after the resurrection, do you think Simon may have thought to himself, and to think, I traded two boats of fish for the Son of God? That's a pretty good trade. <laughs> you ever play a bigger and better? Anybody ever play that game? Uh, yep. Bigger and Better is a game where you start out with an item of little value and you go out and you try to trade up for something of bigger value. And Bob Goff uh, tells a story of uh, his son, Richard, who did this. Started out with a dime, he and his friends, and so they went to a neighbor down the road and went to the house, knocked on the door. Hey, we're playing Bigger and Better. Here's how it works. They ended up with a mattress. A mattress. They go to the next house. They trade the mattress for a ping pong table. Next house down the line, they traded the ping pong table for an elk head, which I'd have stopped there. That's a pretty neat story, you know, elk head. Well, they go on the whole day, and you guess what they ended up with at the end of the day? A Dodge pickup truck. Now, it was a used, worn-out pickup but it ran, so he traded a dime for a pickup. Bob tells the story that the best part of the whole story is not that he traded a dime for a mattress, for a ping pong table, for an elk head, and for a truck. The best part of the story is at the end of the day, my son Richard drove that pickup truck down to a little church in our community and tossed the keys to the pastor and said, here's a truck, you can have it. What a generous spirit. And you think of the things we hold on to and the things that we think give us value and that we trust. And what would happen if you just let it go? and trusted God with the rest, what, what would happen? Our youth actually played bigger and better this last week, ironically enough. And I was there when we were doing the judging on the items that they brought back. Uh, there was the final two. One group brought back, brought back a big sack of uh, popcorn, kettle corn, right? Yeah. Uh, the other group brought back a little fish. They went to PetSmart, and they had the bag and the water and the little fish. And uh, the judging was happening, you know, which one are we going to select? And, and the fish won. And here's why I think the fish won. It was brilliant. The girl that was talking about the fish, she said, his name is Jesus. <laughs> wow. Brilliant. Brilliant. And, and I was laughing there, sitting, thinking about this sermon, and I already planned this sermon, what I was going to talk about, and here this game is happening this week. And I was thinking, wow, uh, Jesus wins again, I guess, you know. <laughs> he always wins, especially when we just let go of whatever it is. I, I love the song that. Brian and them sang a little bit ago about walking together, this image, so we don't do it alone. And so when Jesus called them to follow, do you notice he called them? 
and they went together. So you and I don't do this alone. None of us do it alone. This week, our preschool will be coming through tomorrow in the church office. We're all going to dress up in costumes, and they'll come trick-or-treating through the office. And last week, uh, they did the same thing, this, this group that's not coming on Mondays. And so I had this inflatable costume on. Has anybody seen that on social media? Yeah, I figured. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's, it's this inflatable alien that is, looks like it's holding me, and I'm just like a small child. My legs come down to about right here. And so I'm in the hallway, and uh, here come the kids uh, down the hallway, and they're so cute. And this is a direct quote from a three-year-old. I'm standing there handing out candy. She looks me square in the eye, and she says, you're scaring me, dude. (laughs) I went to seminary for this. Really? Well, after they went through, I noticed at the end the the little two-year-olds were coming in, but guess what? The four-year-olds were walking alongside them. Uh, The four-year-olds had already come through for their candy. The four-year-olds didn't have a bag. They were just there. It became clear to me they were just there to walk alongside the two-year-olds. And so here they come, just beautiful, so innocent, And they come up to my station, and I bend over, and I I drop a sucker in the bag of the two-year-old. I actually missed because it's kind of hard with an inflatable, you know, I just missed. So the sucker is there on the ground, and do you know what the four-year-old did? That four-year-old picked up that sucker and put it in the two-year-old's bag, and the two-year-old was kind of crying because I missed the bag. Another win for the day, but uh, and the four-year-old said, "That's okay. It's going to be okay. Let's go." And they walked on down the hall. And who would have thought that in the hallway of a church, two preschoolers would remind this pastor of what the church is and should be? Let us pray. God, you've asked us to walk this pathway together. And the further along that we follow you, the more we realize that we become more generous. Because we know that you've asked us to give our lives to you, and giving our lives to you means giving ourselves to others. And help us to see that today in our lives and over the next few weeks as we reflect on what it means to be generous people and that we too can trade up for something bigger and far better than all we can imagine. And we pray this in Christ's name. Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon series podcast from First United Methodist Church of Round Rock, Texas. For more information, you can find us online at fumc-rr.org or find us on social media at fumcrr.org.